Hello and welcome back to the last Wednesday of the week. This is officially the start of season two. Let's begin. Yes, here we are, the last Wednesday of the week on our very short breakaway. Um, but here we are back with a season two. And um, of course, we're going to bring you all the usual things that we do. We're going to bring you some highlights of the week just been, but probably the last few weeks, to be fair, at this stage. Highlights of the week ahead and some meteor middle uh, subjects as well. And we've got so much in store in this season ahead. We've got crossover shows. We've got previews of uh, F1, of NFL, of Football, of course, because there's so much going on all the time. And, of course, many more interviews to come as well. We know how much you enjoy listening to them. So thank you for joining us again for uh, this season. I'm, of course, still joined by who's no longer AWOL. Simon, welcome back. Hello, Dan. I'm so happy to be back on the multi-story car park of podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's the season two tagline. (laughs) Yeah, I'm happy to be back and I'm ready to talk about what feels like six months worth of things we've missed uh, are we one of those multi-story car parks that's, that's designed for like modern cars or one of the old ones that's like not changed size since the 80s the the one that i was parked in the other day which seemed to have someone's diarrhea tucked into the <laughs> corner there so, that one okay wow well, one of the posh ones nice <laughs> fancy ben, ones welcome back to the podcast they have uh, they have car parks where you drive in. I think over in Japan, you drive in, uh, put it on a platform. The car then gets taken off, often like an escalator or kind of some system, like a vending machine. When you get back, you type in Mega. your. Uh, they have that uh, awesome. in, in Germany at the VW uh, uh, store. Whatever you know, what, what, what do they call it? Where you buy cars? Uh, car shop. Car shop. <laughs> car vending machine. Car vend- well, that's exactly what it is. It's a big tower. Uh, like a cylindrical tower, and it was in Mission Impossible. Oh. And they come out of the platform, and they come down the centre of this thing, and then come out, your car comes out the bottom. It's pretty cool. Anyway, that's not what we're here to talk about, although it's pretty <laughs> exciting nonetheless. We are here to talk about sports. We are the multi-story car park of sports podcasts, and we have a lot to talk to you about today. Um, ben, let's kick us off. Um, you've got a good question for us. Yes, I do have a good question for you. Uh, I also, worth noting, have moved to a fully digital notes system for season two. Uh, I was plowing through paper for season one, um, reams of the stuff. So I've gone to a full digital section. So if I make any absolute cock-ups, that's the uh, main reason. Uh, First question for the podcast, season two, episode one. Um, What was our best moments from season one? Uh, Sai. Yeah, thanks. So not only did I get ambushed in in pre-production by this, but I'm also now <laughs> being the first one to go, so I can't actually... It wasn't well, written I, on the planning doc or anything, don't worry. Yeah, I don't. I only skim. I only skim <laughs> till I get to my bit. Um, so anyway, favourite episode has to be the anger-filled ESL episode, the European Super League. I was red hot for the whole episode crying punching things it was just awesome to be behold and it all fell apart literally as as we were doing the um the show itself so uh my favorite episode but yeah just a, a good a good bit of content i'd say 
Excellent. Interestingly, Sai, I actually have the ESL week as my favourite moment, uh, which is also followed, funnily enough, that episode was followed uh, by our shutdown cover episode uh, where we spoke to Ed and we discussed the NFL. So that, that double back-to-back was incredible. Also worth mentioning Ian Richards, uh, the 24th episode of the season, last episode. I mean, talk about inspirational. I've listened to it a couple of times now. Um, man, what a conversation. And uh, I'd be interested to hear what he's doing with his life now, what other uh, adventures he's got ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I've, I've actually got several highlights. Um, and it's going to sound a massive cop-out, the first one. But genuinely, doing this every week has been so much fun. I've learned absolutely nothing about football, um, despite it. Uh, but I've really enjoyed talking about it as it happens <laughs> each week. Um, but I do have some specific moments. One is the ha- absolute highlight for me was when I aced Simon's test, which was absolutely designed to, um, sem- you know, absolutely rinse me for not listening to him and taking it all in. But I think I got all but one right. So that that was a, a top moment for me. I gave you too much warning. I should have just I should have just attacked you without giving you any warning, and then you would have been done for. But I just gave you gave you too much. Yeah. Too well, much. you know what? Try it again another time. Do it. <laughs> uh, that was a good moment. Um, I think uh, we've been really lucky. Um, it's been a shit old time for a lot of people. We've talked about it at length with COVID, but how lucky with some of the sporting events we've been able to talk about. The Euros, Olympics, Wimbledon, you know, the big three in tennis, Ben, uh, all the stuff going on football, ESL, yeah, it was anger-inducing, yeah, you were spitting at the microphone, but so much has been happening that we've had just gold to work with and so much to talk about. And then uh, finally, Ben, I think you touched on the interviews with Simon, with Paul uh, as guests, uh, with with Jess, uh, Andrew and Jen, and also um, Ian Richards. I've absolutely just been brilliant speaking to each and every one of them and and from that I think has been an accidental theme which has been really quite nice has come throughout perhaps less so with Paul and the F1 but this idea of you know sort of um, pathways visibility grassroots that kind of stuff and I've sort of accidentally come out and it's it's been a common theme and I've really enjoyed that conversation and finally, my final highlight. You see, I prepared for this. Mm. My final highlight. <laughs> Funny when you get told about it, isn't it? <laughs> when I read the planning document, uh, is uh, <laughs> is um, Simon having to listen to us talk about fo- motorsport? You never, yeah. I never get this opportunity in in the days to days when we see each other. Only when we're here. It's horrifying. <laughs> anyway, thanks for that, Ben. It was good to reminisce, actually, uh, and look back through some of our titles. And I'm super proud of what we've achieved so far. So thank you to everybody that's listened to us for season one. Um, if you want to let us know what your highlights were or anything you want us to revisit, find us on Twitter or Instagram at WednesdayPod on either. Um, just get involved and um, we'll talk to you a bit later on about more ways you can get involved in what we do. So Ben, let's on to, on to matters at hand then. Uh, sport, what are we talking about? What's what's kept you busy over the last few weeks? What's excited you? Be coming into our second season uh, podcast. We're no longer a grassroots podcast. We're now an established elite <laughs> podcast team. Yeah. Uh, are we able to put kind of little sound bites in? So a round of applause there at the end of your um, mem- trip down memory lane. We could. It depends how late we are recording because I've got to get to okay. bed at some point. Okay, okay, <laughs> commitment. I love it. Uh, <clears throat> the Olympics. An size, overwhelming size hand up, Ben. I've got oh, my hand up. I just want to say, I can't see that side. Second season syndrome. 
We've got to be aware of it. Oh, See what I did there. United, we're down. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this, this year it's Leeds. So was that a second episode? Yes, it was. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Right. So thanks for that, Simon. Thanks for that vote of confidence. <laughs> what do I do now? I mean, have we, we completely jinxed it? He also mentioned Leeds there. Uh, Bielsa uh, getting smashed in the first game week by Manchester United. Uh, I'm sure we'll come on to at some point in the next few weeks. Uh, a quick one on the Olympics, basically. I thought it was an overwhelming success. I'd like to hear your opinions on that. I think Japan, uh, they wowed the world in a way. Uh, organization humility, calmness, uh, everything that I think the world has lacked severely in the last 18 months. Um, for me, a couple of uh, highlights. The pictogram dance uh, yes. in the opening ceremony has been living in my head rent-free for a month now. And there's a day that goes by where I don't think about how they choreograph that. Um, a couple of big moments, though. Uh, Barsham and Tamberi sharing the gold. I mentioned that on the Ian uh, podcast with Ian Richards. Uh, th- that was just sensational. One of, one of the great sporting moments uh, delivered in a brilliant venue. And also Laura Muir winning the 1,500-meter silver, the women's 1,500-meter I followed her for years and I don't think anyone works harder or more dedicated and can't wait to see if she can go one better in Paris. What what were your thoughts on on the uh, Tokyo 2020 as a whole, guys? Uh, so, uh, sorry, Dan, I just cut you off. Do you want to go first, Dan? I was going to say over to you, Sire. Oh, there you go then. See, um, we're all so, about giving in season two. You are. Harmony. Um, yeah, harmony, not second season syndrome. It's going to go well. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I feel like... It was it was great. The bits I watched, I was on holiday, as uh, people might be aware, so I didn't really get to see as much as I'd like. Um, I mean, that's a great reason to not watch the Olympics being on holiday, so I'm not not lamenting that. But um, obviously, the big issue for me was the um, the different uh, time zone. Literally, that's unavoidable in 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 the modern Olympics because you're always going to have somewhere someone somewhere in the world who can't watch it live and whatever. So that was always a bit of a, a letdown, but. Overall, you know, wonderfully done. Um, you know, as you said, you know, very well organized. Very few COVID breakouts, which I thought was good. I didn't feel like it had the effect that it might have done. I know there were people that pulled out, but it wasn't as truly bad as it could have been. Um, and yeah, it was it was wonderfully done. And, and the bits I did see were, were fantastic. Yeah, phenomenal event. And and that, that, that thing about time zone, the more I reflected on that, the more I was like... That's such a Western like wine, isn't it? <laughs> like, uh, like you absolutely say that time zone is time zone is spot on for some, but many people around the world, it's just not so good for us. Um, ben? Yeah, and it's interesting to note though that the broadcasters, uh, BBC uh, for ourselves and the American um, uh, networks, pay heavily. So certain events are on at certain times. Uh, and there's, there's possibly an idea that, that we actually overachieved in events that we didn't expect to, so they weren't necessarily prime time. And the rowing and, and in other events which were prime time, we, we massively underachieved. So maybe that's kind of got something to do with it. Maybe we were a bit shocked in certain events. Uh, I don't know. I think overall it wasn't BBC's best coverage, but one could argue they were running on a skeleton crew with COVID, yeah. a lot of restrictions. That, and uh, That and their hands were tied a little bit by what they were allowed to show and and you know if you yeah. had access to discovery you could watch whatever you want so yeah i think there's there's clearly a bit of a transition in coverage there highlights for me uh, i think team gb cycling phenomenal uh, there wasn't a, there wasn't an event we didn't get a medal in in cycling um, i don't think 
uh rowan you know ben uh you know we not not to name drop but someone we went to school with got a medal uh you know it's not obviously not someone we've remained remained close friends with but you know to to know that you've known people why can't we name drop them well john jimson yeah john jimson huzzah silver medal was that right what event was it in it was in the i forget the name of it the the tar tar um i can't remember the name of the boat all the boating names i get so confused between Uh, them okay yeah um, but yeah, no, but it, it just, and you know, speaking to Ian Richards last week, it, the Olympics felt a bit tangible this time around. And there was, and because of, I guess, COVID, there was a lot more focus on like r- the real human stories in their training, going up to it and all that. And I think that really added to it. So yeah, that, the taekwondo we've talked about at length before as well, and just how sort of captivating that was you know i found myself watching the marathon the race walk as well just like you know they're in extreme heat you know running through the streets of um uh yeah name forget where where they were japan Japan. yeah but the island they were on um (laughs) (laughs) thank you simon um and just uh yeah i i don't i can't remember the last time i've been that gripped by a sporting event but then maybe it does it every four years and I forget that. But only three years to wait. And we might mm. even be um, gushing about breakdancing this time in three years' time. You never know if Paris gets it. Um, so, yeah, Olympics, success. Um, yay or nay, Sai? Oh, they're very much a success. Success. Ben? Yeah, 100% success. Fine. We will allow the Olympics to return. Wednesday pod <laughs> seal of approval. Um, wonderful. Uh, thanks, Ben. What else you got for us? Uh, so moving on to a sport that uh, we all love. Um, I think you two, Dan, are starting to Formula love. One. Also a sport yeah, that great. should not be in the Olympics. <laughs> um, the Premier League is back. Football is back. Back with a bang. I believe it was something like 33 days betwixt the European Championship and the Premier League, which in reality is not enough time. But by the 30th day, I was so giddy, so excited for the Premier League. There's something special about our division. The teams, the 20 teams back, all the different narratives coming together. Um, and my word, what an opening uh, weekend you say that. a couple of notes. And you say 33 down. days between the European Championships but in the start of the Premier League, but you that does not include the two to three weeks of the Olympics as well. And the training <laughs> and the pre-season <laughs> yeah. games. So it's, yeah, it's yeah. a lot Basically, there's no break. <laughs> there hasn't been a break for years. And the, the Mitchell and Webb look sketch is more relevant <laughs> ever and ever. Football will go on all the time forever. Uh, the couple of notes from the first weekend for myself is Manchester United, Chelsea and Liverpool laying down what I think were early benchmarks, incredible performances, particularly Man United's uh, mm. devastating second half display. They were scintillating, frightening to watch, actually. If they have the France uh, Paul Pogba and a fit Fernandez for the rest of the season uh, and a Sancho coming into that squad and a Varane coming, well, I mean, the league should be scared. Uh, Chelsea composed two Kellys, uh, class above, uh, brilliant in possession. And Liverpool, lovely football, still with Fab Henderson uh, and Robbo to come back in. So I think they're the early title favourites. A very strange thing to say after one game week, but you can already see Manchester City need the striker. We're going to talk about Kane at some point. And you can already see that Arsenal are terrible. So I think uh, I think it was uh, more than we expected. There was goals galore. 
uh, awesome um, moments. Um, Sai, I mean, Premier League's back. Talk to me. Happy, surely. Oh, yeah, I'm really happy about Aston Villa losing 3-2 to newly promoted Watford. Yeah, great. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it is, it's amazing to be back. It was 33 very long days. I mean, I was watching, I subscribed to Aston Villa's uh, pre-season uh, Villa TV and watched the friendlies that I could want, manage to watch um, online. So, yeah, very nice to be back. So, big, real. you know, you said it was kind of the, the big hitters, um winning early, laying down a benchmark. But there were some big shocks. Obviously, Villa losing to Watford. I don't think I saw that. I, I saw us winning that pretty comfortably. Arsenal losing to Brentford, which, I mean, is a shock. But, uh, you know, you could really see that. I think Arsenal are there for the taking this year. I really don't think they've uh, they've done enough business. They didn't look good. And I think Arteta's hot seat is now scorchingly hot. So, um, yeah. Uh, Man City obviously was probably the biggest shock losing to, to Spurs, but you get a lot of things in these games. These these early games, there's always crazy results. There's always shocks, and then after about ten games or so, the the season settles down a bit, and the, the form teams you know really hit home. Uh, yes, Dan. I like the the two opposing things there. Ben's team did quite well, so that's setting early benchmarks. So si, your didn't your team didn't do well, so it's early upsets are quite normal, and a bit later on we'll start to see. Is the, you know is is always different. the case that your team is you know Aston Villa, so you might not you might just have to deal with that as the season goes on. You can't lose it in the first <laughs> game, and you're always going to come up against an excited, uh, promoted side in Watford. Uh, but Villa, massive net spend over the last five years. I think the fourth highest in the league. Um, over a hundred million more net spend than Liverpool. Uh, they have to finish in the top ten this year. Um, I think top six is maybe just out of the question financially, but Buendia is going to settle in there. Um, I think they missed Watkins. Is that right at the weekend as well? Yeah, Watkins had a a bone bruise in his knee, uh, sustained against Salernitana of the uh, Serie A. Um, So he wasn't there that week, but he should be back against Newcastle. So very excited about that. Um, I think he didn't work very well without him. Danny Ings is a really good player, but he didn't have the pressing that Watkins offers. So, uh, you know, I was expecting Watford to be up for it. Um, I'm looking, you know, more forward to a, a stable Newcastle team, which, uh, you know, played well in the first half against West Ham, but kind of folded afterwards. I, I think Newcastle are relegation fodder. Um, and they're one of my teams for relegation, actually, Newcastle, along with Norwich, who I, they might not win a game, quite frankly, um, and Arsenal. <laughs> well i mean i don't have the others but arsenal definitely there. no um i agree with you i think you've got to put all the relegated teams in there still even though brentford and watford started really well um you know season evens out after a while and, and these big you know home games with a raucous crowd tend to have less impact come christmas time and afterwards so um you know i think watford went down the year they went down and they were doing pretty well up until christmas and then kind of folded a little bit so you know teams can play well to start but it's about keeping it consistent so we'll see about that Southampton definitely a team that I have my beady eye on they've been in a bit of a fire sale they've got very Vestergaard as well Vestergaard Leicester um, 15 million as well which is a snip yeah. for an international centre back international um, few years in the Premier League yeah. and that is just basically cover for Fafana until he's yeah. back yeah and Burnley are my other ones that I think are really going to struggle. You can't keep going year after year not spending money. It's going to catch you in the in the end. Even team with Sean Dyche and the stalwart players they've had over the years, they're going to struggle eventually. It's going to catch them. 
I still have no idea how they have hold of Tarkowski and Peters, me, players that uh, in reality should be at better clubs already. Burnley, I think, are going to struggle. And if they're in the relegation zone come the January um, transfers, uh, New Year, I think they'll be long gone. Uh, in terms of the title favourites, I'm very, very excited about the talk between Manchester United and Chelsea and City. Everyone seems to have forgotten Liverpool with Van Dijk back or arguably the best team in the league. 18, 19, 19, 20 Liverpool um, sec when we finished second, a point behind City, and then went on to to win the championship. I I think we looked um, deadly, absolutely incredible. And Salah just loves an opening game week, Si. Yeah, I mean Salah's opening game week. He scored in the last five years, I believe. He scored, um, and yeah, it's, it's scorchingly fantastic. So I mean, he was playing Norwich. You have to temper that, to be honest. Uh, I think Liverpool looked good. I watched most of the game. Uh, but they're actually my fourth place team at the moment. I think City will be good. Uh, they just need a striker. It really, really showed. Um, I think there's no striker formation. They're playing kind of with a false nine. It just isn't working for them very well. Um, you know, they looked open on the counter-attack as well. Maybe a bit leggy from pre-season. So, um, you know, they need to get into a bit more match fitness. But I think City will be thereabouts. You can't, you can't, you know bet against them as the favourites, even even after losing their first week. Um, obviously, Man United looked fantastic. I didn't think Leeds were very good. I think they worked Leeds out pretty early. Um, and that might be the big worry for Leeds this year. I don't think they'll be in trouble, Leeds, but I don't think they'll be half as good as they were last year. Um, Chelsea, yeah. I mean, I, let's be honest, we could form a team and possibly beat Crystal Palace. It's another team that might struggle this year. <laughs> Um, but at the same point, you know, you beat who's in front of you and they beat it pretty comprehensively in the end. Okay, Ben, who's Dan. winning and who's getting relegated? Okay, um, uh, bottom three are Southampton, Norwich and Burnley. Sorry. And the uh, winners are Liverpool. I think we'll win the league. Sorry. I'm going to go Burnley, Southampton and uh, Norwich as well. So, And I think uh, Man City to win the league. There you go. Write that down. Make a note. Place your bets uh, sensibly. And when the fun stops, stop. <laughs> uh, and oh. um, hold. Is that the end of the podcast then? Yeah. Hold them both to account in uh, what, like three years' time when football finishes or something? <laughs> when does yeah, the league join fit? the European Super when League? When does the Premier yeah. League end? May 15th, I think, something like that. There you go. Um, okay. So. Uh, Sigh. Actually, do you know what? Let's keep it on football for a bit because um, we might as well. It works well. I've been doing football fan stuff. Um, I signed up to our fantasy league. I picked a team. I didn't have to all get the website to pick it for me. Um, well, I had to get them to pick most of them and then it wouldn't let me pick... I don't know. I got confused and asked Ben. I texted Ben and said, Ben, who should I pick? And he said click this click that and it turns out i have a team and i'm not last at the moment so i'm taking that as a win um but ben give us the details about the uh fantasy premier league okay yeah so the last wednesday of the week dan you are currently sitting behind me on 47 points but not last um that's ned kelly and james dribbling uh running up the bottom so uh last wednesday of the week on the premier league dream team there's currently seven million players already registered this is astonishing Should have, that's not game. seven million registered on our league 
No, no, we have seven. So Ten. one in a million. <laughs> um, okay. And uh, yeah, if you need the code, it is uh, GCF7BW. And I will pop that on Twitter again this week. So we join, might join, have join. had more, mightn't we, Ben? But when we last said that we'd put those details on Twitter in the show notes and etc., we just didn't put them anywhere. Uh, we've got, I think we've got 10, we've got double figures, got 10, but someone, yeah. someone's dominating uh, literally over double Simon's points. Um, so, I mean, maybe the league is already finished. <laughs> Sorry. No, I'll catch him. I'd like to say as well, we, we should probably say hello to the people who've, uh, who've joined the league. I mean, don't, um, we know if they've picked it up from the podcast, whether they've picked it up from, uh, various posts on social media, but. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say people's names, whether it's confidentiality. But, Just say know, first names. Go for it. James, Joe, Liam, Stephen, Rob. Um, I was about to read our names then. Ned <laughs> and another James. So, yeah, yeah two James. Thank you so- for joining us on that. And as Ben says, he promises Scouts on Air to put those details out again on Twitter at WednesdayPod, on Instagram at WednesdayPod. And hopefully they'll go in the show notes as well. But yeah, get involved on that. It'll be a laugh. If anything, watch me tank. And um, yeah, that's it. But you reminded me to talk about football, Simon, because you both mentioned actually that you think Norwich will get relegated. And this reminds me of a story that I picked up in a local Brighton paper this last week, which is talking about the cost of traveling uh, for a fan who's going to go and, excuse me, commit to um, all away games. And Norwich are second place. So that's a costly team to follow if they're then going to (laughs) relegate at the end of this season. Um, But their fans are traveling a total of 6,500 miles in the season. Ben? Why why Norwich? I know they're over on the East Coast, right? So surely is it because they have to go both ways, north and south? Is that the possibly possibly don't know. But first place, Simon or Ben, you might know this. Who do you think's in first place? Um I think you told us. So do you just want to say? Because it sounded well, like Well, I thought we could just pretend that I hadn't told okay. you, Sai, and Ooh, you know, miss that a, out. That's a, a real have a bit of fun teaser. Sign, you know, the difficult Ooh, second that's... season. It's either Dan, Daniel, <laughs> going to be on the south coast or up up north towards Scotland, Daniel. Um, I would say, is it Newcastle United? I don't think you're taking this seriously, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with Brighton if he goes to Newcastle. All right. Well, the answer is surprisingly, Simon is correct. So Newcastle fans have the furthest to travel. That's over 8,700 miles to attend. Uh, and Brighton wow. come in third with about 6,000 miles. So that's staggering amounts of traveling for those teams. The lowest being Arsenal because of where they're based within London and some of the big teams there. And then you've got places like Aston Villa, size some of yours um, that are based in the Midlands. Of course, this is predicated on those fans living where those teams are. So fans yeah. such as yourself, Sai, have an extra complication. Yes, that's true. That is very true. Um, I've seen one Aston Villa game in the last two, three years, and that was actually at Brighton Stadium. And that um, put you off watching anymore. Awkward. It was exceedingly <laughs> awkward, but hilarious. Um, but yeah, going back to what we're talking about, Norwich as well. Uh, I think I believe the reason that they are so high is probably because they have very few teams around them close. So, you know, every team has a relatively close team. I think they just have nobody in the surrounding area. They don't area have a derby all. team. Yeah, exactly. Like Arsenal, for example. Yeah, there's about 10 teams in London. So yeah. um, it's traveling not very there's far. There's a London derby every other day. Exactly. 
Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on from football then a little bit. Um, Sai, talk, talk, talk to us about the NBA because um, whilst the season may have ended, um, there's been a lot of action happening, hasn't there? Yeah. You, you forgot about Jack Grealish, Daniel, but um, it's fine. It's fine. I can I'm never forget it. about Jack Grealish. He's I'm in our hearts, Sai. I'm over it. I don't care. I never liked him anyway. He's not my friend. <laughs> why, no, why, um, why, is, why is Jack Grealish dead to you? Uh, well, he, he left my beloved team. No, I, to be in all fairness, like, um, there are a lot of horrible Aston Villa fans. Villa fans can be some of the worst when it comes to sour grapes and, and bitching and moaning. I saw that um, traveling the after day. Exactly. Well, it's not that bad, apparently. <laughs> after day, um, rather. Yeah. So, yeah, basically, I mean, I wish him all well. He joined a team which is going to compete. He's going to win trophies. He's going to win medals and stuff. So good on him. Um, it's sad he didn't want to stay for one more year, but I completely understand why he left. And we got $100 million out of it. It's a British record transfer. So overall, I mean, you can't complain too much. So good on him. Good luck. All the best to him, and I'm sure he'll be a Villa player one day again. There you go. All right. Well, Sai's going to have to go get himself uh, cleaned up after that facial mess of tears um that's all getting a bit weird let's move on really quickly nba i'd like to say that there was no facial element to what just happened at all i don't know where that came from um that saved the weekends um so nba free agency uh happened another thing that's happened during the time that uh, i wasn't on this podcast um i want to keep it very succinct because to be perfectly honest it is extensive so many things happened, but I'm just going to give a little roundup of a few bits that happened. So, for example, Russell Westbrook got traded to the Lakers. They've retooled, and they're now going to be a force again next year. They're a bit deeper, and um, you know they've got some old veterans like Carmelo Anthony as well, but they've also got some young guys as well coming through. So, yeah, they're going to be a bit of a worry. Steph Curry signed a new contract with the Golden State Warriors for four years, $215 million, I believe, which is a nice chunk of change. Um, eat your heart up, Patrick Mahomes. Um, yeah, Kevin Durant signed a new deal, and most importantly, the Bulls are back. Bulls brought in Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, Alex Caruso. They have retooled and they are going to be competing next year, and I am exceedingly excited. But there's another team that could be considered quote unquote back, Daniel. The New York Knicks. So, and that, that's an interesting term to say they're back because. They're back after having made the playoffs um, last year uh, and then being convincingly uh, exited by Atlanta uh, or courtesy of Atlanta. But yeah, um, so I'm a bit like you, Cy, um, not remotely uh, up on news and what's happening around transfers <laughs> and people buying stuff and people... Um, but uh, I, I am led to believe that we've made a couple of um, big uh, big signings and we've also got some exceptional uh, young talent uh, that's been uh, shown in the Summer League. And so we've got, got a real strong bench as well and a lot of young players coming in mm-hmm. that should... Um, yeah, it, there's a strong-looking future in the Knicks. But we've uh, we've we've uh, announced... Uh, is it Walker, Kemba Walker? Yeah. And uh, Fournier as well? Yeah. Um, oh, so, by yeah. the way, funny fact about Evan Fournier. If you yeah. Google his name, it comes up with a very horrendous thing. I can tell you, or I could let the listeners just Google it and see what they find. Yeah. Tell maybe, me. Maybe just let that happen. Let I that believe happen. Leave it a mystery. It's a, 
Oh, okay. Oh, I won't tell you. I'll tell you off air, Ben. It's yeah. fantastic. Okay, well, it's not fantastic, and it's definitely not fantastic if you've got it. Um, yeah, I mean, That's Dan, you've certainly... made some real big signings. Yeah. Yeah, no, there certainly certainly seems to be a lot of uh, positive noise about that. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I'm excited, you know, and we've got um, the, the Christmas Day um, games have been announced as well. We've got Atlanta on Christmas Day. So mm. that should be that should be a fun day. So I'm looking forward to that. But maybe the Knicks will give me a birthday treat. What do you reckon? What do we think? Well, maybe. I mean, maybe uh, we'll be able to watch it together potentially on Christmas. So we'll I really see. hope not. Uh, so <laughs> I really hope so. Well, that's not very kind at all. <laughs> We're in the set. You, you started the second season thing, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> no, that'd be excellent if we can. Um, and I look forward to that. So yeah, we, you know, we both could be in happy positions in the NBA mm. this coming season. Mm-hmm. So moving on for NBA, uh, you've got NFL as well, more American sports. Um, but you've been talking about American sports a lot, of course, um, because you are now uh, you've joined your mate Ed on the um, uh, shutdown coverage podcast, which you've been putting out. So um, you've been keeping an eye on that. What's been going on with the the new quarterback, Simon? So effectively, we're in preseason now, which for anyone from anywhere else in the world would be the equivalent of like a, a preseason friendly, like you get in football or whatever. Um, so in that regard, there's very, very little you can glean from it because uh, a lot of the established veterans never play um, or play for literally. I mean, Andy Dalton, our apparent starting quarterback, I gave Bunny Eos because I don't think he will start at the beginning of the year, uh, threw four passes and then was replaced by the mighty, mighty Justin Fields. So in that regard, um, he, uh, you know, uh, that, that is probably the only area that you do tend to see in the preseason that is rookies coming in uh, the big draft picks from the year uh, and see what they've got. Um, There's a lot of quarterbacks. There was um, quite a few quarterbacks selected in the first round uh, that uh, performed this weekend. Uh, Mixed success. I mean, none of them were truly horrendous, uh, maybe with the exception of Kellen Mond, who played for the Minnesota Vikings, who was third round pick, who was pretty, pretty atrocious. Uh, but all the others were very good. But the best, obviously, was my man, Justin Fields, who was truly superstar potential um, personified. It's really exciting time to be a Bears fan, and I'm really hopeful for the future. But credit to Mac Jones with the Patriots. Um, Trey Lance had a nice 80-yard touchdown. Um, didn't throw particularly well. Had a really low completion percentage, but that was a nice throw. Um, and yeah, and the various others, obviously, uh, Trevor Lawrence played, wasn't particularly impressive. He's the number one, if, you know, I suppose one of the best quarterbacks to ever come out of the college, but overall, yeah, very exciting. Uh, be more interesting this week, maybe when they play some more veterans and we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah. I'm going to dive straight in. You said mighty there, Justin Fields, mighty, um, I have I've watched a couple of highlights and some of the stuff he was throwing uh, the way he moves um he looks so confident mm. um and should we be surprised that he is uh for me being the standout of the the new crop uh, or was that expected was it just a fantastic um trade up from the bears well I mean I think it was a fantastic trade up completely and totally so but I mean he did start uh, a little bit rocky uh, had a couple of uh, dangerous passes he had a fumble but kind of picked it up from then you got to be honest he's playing against lesser competition you know second third um you know string players you know not the starters the veterans that will come in in the regular season but yeah he looked really really good 
Um, you know, uh, Trevor Lawrence has said he looked pretty solid. He did nothing spectacular. Uh, you can't, you know, glean everything from one game. But yeah, Justin Fields uh, looked really, really good. Uh, Trey Lance, is Trey Lance going to start? Is he a starter? Is he kind of cemented that place? Or is he still going to be given that season to kind of uh, bed in, uh, as they say? Well, when we did our crossover show with Shutdown uh, Coverage, uh, which I'm now a part of, uh, Shutdown Cover on Twitter, um, they, uh, we at the time were saying we didn't think, we had various views about what happened with Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, he's ended up staying. So I think he will start for the time being. But um, as to what tends to happen with new rookies, if they continue to play well, there'll be a clamor for them to come in. So, um, you know, Jimmy G's hot seat is, like I, I saying I've said several times so far, it's getting hotter. So you you potentially on for a good year uh, as a Chicago file, you know, someone that likes the Bears. <laughs> oh, what? Sorry? Chicago file. You know, he likes ah, Chicago, Chicago teams, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and um, maybe that might make up for Grealish and being a Villa fan. So you might be you know, right. Maybe. You could have, we'll you know, it could be, it could even out for you, Sai. Uh, well, we look forward to hearing how that goes. And we are already in, uh, you know, our agents, our people are talking to Ed's people, and we're already in talks about doing a crossover uh, in the weeks to come. Uh, certainly, looking ahead of the NFL season, which of course our listeners will massively appreciate. We know that people listen to this podcast; uh, some of them are really into NFL, and and yours and Ed's um, coverage uh, is unrivaled. Um, this Aww. side, yeah. Well, um, I, from all the NFL shows I've listened to, yours is the best. <laughs> and I'm guessing you've left, listened to an extensive catalogue of, of many, NFL podcasts. Many. Mm. I googled Fournier during that segment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's nice, isn't it? It's it's not what I wanted to see. So I think you've on. done this to us before. Um, right. So. So um, I think that is the uh, the end of your your intros, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I've lost my I've lost my document. It's all going so well. You cursed us, Simon. You cursed us. Um, <laughs> that is the end of our look back, uh, not only of the week or weeks in sport, but also uh, to season one as well. If you're still with us, do join us on Twitter and Instagram at Wednesday Pod. That's where you can find us. Join the conversation. Here we are, on to our first meaty middle of Season 2, Episode 1. Um, Lionel Messi. You gents are going to talk about Barcelona, Paris Saint-Germain, Lionel Messi. I don't know exactly what's going on other than this is a big deal. And I don't mean just financially, um, because deals have happened, but like the world of sport cares about this man and these teams. Ben, why don't you give us some background? What's been going on with Paris Saint-Germain and, and lead us into the, the Lionel Messi and Barcelona saga? Absolutely perfect. Uh, we will start with Paris Saint-Germain, team over the French League. I've got it here on my uh, digital notes as the meaty middle starter. Uh, mm. Me and Sai will uh, have a, a, a meaty sharing platter, I think, for this one. Um, now, it's been a very weird theme going out through this show. We've talked about facials, a meaty uh, platter. It's just, it's just getting very strange. I'll start with the meze. Uh, now, Paris Saint-Germain has signed everybody. Literally everybody. And and, and and four of these incredible players have, have been signed on a free. Okay. 
Paris Saint-Germain, uh, business they've done in the out-season. They've signed Donnarumma, the uh, man that broke all our hearts in the European Championship, saving penalties. Uh, the absolute Italian giant. He's arguably one of the best goalkeepers in the world. They signed Gini Wijnaldum on a free from Liverpool. He's been uh, an ever-present in Klopp's team for four years. He is exceptional at what he does. They've signed Sergio Ramos, one of the great defenders of all time, uh, bar none. He is absolutely exceptional and has been at uh, Real Madrid all his career. They spent a bit of money as well. Hakimi from Inter, 54 million euros. Pereira from Porto for 14 million euros. And they also got a young player that no one's heard of called Lionel Messi. Now, that's where the big drama has been. I mean, before this was even announced, people were bombarding the Charles de Gaulle airport, you know, in their droves, tens of thousands of people waiting for him to walk through the doors, announce himself as a, a Paris Saint-Germain player. The reason this is big is, is a few folds and massive narratives around that. But Lionel Messi is uh, arguably the, the best football player of all time. I know Sai wants to talk a little bit about that in a minute. Um, he is also the highest paid sports star in the world, taking away perhaps the money that uh, Alvarez uh, Canelo makes in boxing and Mayweather from from sponsorships. Pure wage, he was getting paid over 120 million euros a year. Uh, sorry, uh, yeah, a year at um, at Barcelona. So that's, wait, that's that's 120 million pounds a year just for his job. So Just not counting job. sponsorships, um, Instagram ads, all that kind of stuff. No, 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 counting that. So fifty, sorry, fifty, a million a week. I did my maths terribly. I doubled it. Uh, it overall, it was one hundred and twenty for sponsorships. His wage was fifty-two million. Sorry, he gets paid a million a week. Let's do a nice round number: a million a week. He can afford to pay his council tax. Um, <laughs> but uh, there's doesn't. been some issues <laughs> and problems. So I, before I sort of go into a bit about Barcelona and. Just the shitty mire that they are in right now. How good is Messi? I, I, tell Dan what Lionel Messi means to football. I think I think you know. Um, I would probably say he's the greatest player that's ever lived. I'm only 34, so I'm not going to harken back to 1956 where uh, some young Latvian player was lighting it up or whatever. Um, so I, I can't compare it to everyone. But in my generation, he has been the, the trendsetter, the tone setter for the new generation, my generation, all of our generations, because we're all relatively the same age. Um, Dan obviously is a big football fan as well, so it probably you know hit him the hardest. <laughs> um, but ultimately, yeah, a fantastic player. You know, I've actually got a little segment I was going to do, and I think it kind of ties in really well with this. Um, we talked about it the other week, and it wasn't right at the time, and I, I both got shouted down as I do in this podcast, and institutional bullying that follows us in the shut podcast. up, Simon. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, so um, I just want to talk briefly about uh, you know uh, Lionel Messi and Ronaldo. Is that the ultimate golden generation? I think it must be. I'm going to read what? a little couple of stats for you. Oh, sorry, Dan. Go yeah, go and my it. question, um, really, and actually, you might be able, you might be about to go to, into that with the stats. But as a, as a complete layman with football, like mm -hmm. I, I, you know, my my only kind of comparable analogy would be in motorsport, looking at people like Lewis Hamilton, Michael Schumacher, mm -hmm. and I understand what makes them. Well, I don't understand. Uh, but you know what I mean. I, I'm yeah. acutely aware of what's made them so good, how they work sometimes as a team may sometimes not but you know where they fit into the grand scheme of things what they're good at whether you know that kind of stuff is is that similar then with Lionel Messi is it is it 
is he good at everything or is he just like you know is he just very good as an individual and like everyone has to follow around him or is he a good leader or you know all that kind of stuff what you know that's the picture I, I'm, I want to try and get yeah I mean he is a fantastically skillful player he has pace and power possibly the only thing he doesn't really have is um you know aerial presence I mean he's he's quite a short he's like five seven something like that five eight maybe if he's if he's lucky um, so, you know, he doesn't have particularly good aerial presence, although I do remember him scoring a Champions League winning header, I believe. So um, Against Manchester United, 2-0, yeah, they decimated them. Incredible. I was in, uh, it was in the pub uh, that day, I believe. Um, so, um, yeah. I think he's... it was at Wembley. Hmm? I think was it was it at Wembley? Wembley. Yeah, nice. Yeah. nice. Um, so, uh, yeah, he's probably like, his only weakness, but, yeah, he's a guy, and it, Almost a, a guy who you could play anywhere around that kind of position. He played attacking midfield. He played winger. He played centre forward. And that's the same for Cristiano Ronaldo as well. And, and Ronaldo's a little bit more key because he's really reinvented himself in his later years to become a bit more of a, an out-and-out centre forward. Uh, whereas Messi's still kind of a couple of years younger. So Messi's 34 and Ronaldo's 36. Um, but yeah, they've both been able to keep themselves relevant by you know moving all around the line and finding a role that really suits them and just being you know uh effective from wherever they've played and um i'm just gonna read a little stat actually uh before you jump in ben um about the goals they've scored now goals don't mean everything i mean you can have center forwards who scored a lot of goals that aren't half as good as center back for example but if you look at their goals so ronaldo has scored 674 goals in 896 games plus 109 in uh out of 179 in international games so ultimately you know fantastic records i think he's very nearly breaking the international goal scoring record he's so close to that lionel messi a couple of years younger mind has scored 672 goals in only 778 games and another 76 in 151 games internationally so both these guys have got i mean these guys haven't even played up front in a whole career they've played you know attacking midfield as i said before or on the wing and yet they're still scoring still being effective i know goals aren't everything but that is an incredible record for both guys and i think it'd be very hard to say that it's not the ultimate golden generation it really would i'd be interesting to see what any of our older listeners said whether they agreed or disagreed but very hard to argue in my opinion i don't want you so you're I, essentially saying that in, it's the football equivalent of the um, the tennis, Djokovic, Federer, Nadal kind of thing mm-hmm. going on. That, yeah. Um, this is a sort of once in a generation, one almost once in a lifetime kind of pairing. Not yeah. that they're working together, but pairing like event. Is that is that what? Do you agree, Ben? Is that what's happening? Is that what you're seeing on pitch? Absolutely. You said earlier uh, at the beginning of the segment, talking about Lewis Hamilton, and you could perhaps draw Cristiano draw comparisons between Cristiano Ronaldo and Lewis Hamilton it's absolute dedication every single section of their life to get records no doubt Hamilton's record focus now him for its eight world championships uh Cristiano it's to break the goal scoring record the all-time goal scoring record the fact that we have two players in the same generation scoring over 650 goals each so far bearing in mind these guys are still scoring 30 odd a season now and don't show signs of letting up which is just remarkable um it's perhaps Messi may be a center in this situation Dan Messi has this technique and ability and this um way to kind of orchestrate games they say that he waits for 20 30 minutes at the beginning of a game really slow and he watches the opposition and looks for weaknesses in the defense then he 
He adapts his game for it. Cristiano is a battering ram who can play anywhere. And bear in mind, Cristiano Ronaldo's first few seasons were in, in mm. England at the age of 17, doing stepovers in the hardest league in the world, not scoring 50 goals a season. Um, and, I mean, Messi, I'll come back to your side here, that mm. Messi, this guy was signed uh, at 12 years old on a napkin. The owner of Barcelona paid for him and his uh, and Messi and his dad to fly over, and he signed them there and then because they said we need your child, we need this guy playing for our club to add to the the, the players that we get from La Masia, the Javis, and the Estas of the world. Um, I I think it's hard to say anyone better than Messi. I'm a Zidane camp personally, just to throw that name in there. I've always been a, a lover of Zidane. I think he's the most beautiful player. The way he played the game to ever play the game but uh that's obviously personal opinion i mean ultimately as well the the only thing you could probably strike against lionel messi in favor of ronaldo in my opinion is the fact that ronaldo has done it at several clubs yes he's gone to some of the best clubs in that respective division so you're talking about man united juventus real madrid but i mean he's gone there and he's performed and and, and whereas messi has been at barcelona his whole career um, you know, a team built around him for, for many, many years, probably since he was about 17, 18, probably that team was built around him. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see what it's like at um, at PSG. Is uh, a situation there going to be too many cooks? Is it going to be, I heard Mbappe maybe leaving, but I mean, yeah, you've got Neymar as well. They didn't get on very well at all at Barcelona, Neymar and Messi. So is it all going to be hugs and smiles or is it going to quickly devolve? So let's talk about that. And, you know, we spent, you know, a good five, 10 minutes there talking about the value in terms of to football of uh, the talent that is Messi, you know, relative to other talents that have come before him, such as Ronaldo that's moved around. So, um, Ben, maybe give us some, some background to what's been happening then, because, you know, there was a big move uh, and it, a lot of this is financially driven, of course, because um, Barcelona kind of didn't have much choice, did they, in this? Uh, they, I don't think they had any choice uh, in reality. Um, the <sighs> Messi is rooted in Barcelona history. He is Barcelona and has been there his whole professional career. Um, a lot of the newspapers have been talking about the grief in, in Catalonia. They've been talking about um, uh, phone lines that have been set up, dedicated phone lines for people to call in. Um, the the owners of the football club, bear in mind Barcelona is owned by the fans. 140-odd thousand people own Barcelona, one of the few football clubs in the world to be in that way. Um, people are devastated by his departure, but there was no way around it. Um, Joan Laporte uh, said yesterday that Messi uh, leaving was sad but necessary. Um, the Laporta is uh, the current director, the current uh, chairman of Barcelona, so he's kind of responsible for the big decisions. He's obviously blamed the previous administration. Um, we've seen that, funnily enough, this afternoon with Biden as well. It seems to be a very similar theme around the world. <laughs> People just blame the previous administration. Uh, but obviously the club's owned by the the um, uh, supporters, uh, roughly 140,000 Catalans. Uh, this is a big club. Their revenue is a billion a year. Bear in mind the whole Barcelona spe city spend is not three billion. So this is how big this this football club is. Um, 
The club has just taken out an £80 million loan, I believe this afternoon, so it can pay its players. They currently owe Lionel Messi €35 million Euros in unpaid wages. Uh, the uh, Earlier this month, they effectively remortgaged, it's like they're playing a game of Monopoly here, for €550 million euros to in order to restructure their debt um basically you know they're a debt company they're saying listen we're, we're in effect bankrupt uh the club currently stands at a um minus 451 million valuation so i believe what team was it back in the 90s that was bought for a pound um it's a bit like that in the oh i'm trying to think of it uh it was a team in the in the premier league side that was bought for a pound it leeds was it i think it might have been leeds united or something yeah and, oh. and it's one of these situations so you could say we could in effect buy barcelona now but they're owned by the fans that's so what you're saying is we need to set up a gofundme <laughs> yes. and in a year's time the wednesday pod will own barcelona they are so poor; it's unbelievable. So is this so? Is this part of the reason why uh, Messi wanted to go? He he wasn't being paid. Not that he necessarily needed the cash. Oh no! It was absolutely the reason he's gone. They could not afford to re-sign his contract. So his contract came to an end, and currently uh, the the player salaries at Barcelona are one hundred and five percent of the club's income. So think about that again. The club's income are 105% player salaries. It makes no mathematical sense to anyone that, you know, you don't have to be an eco- economist or a banker to know that that's absolute bullshit. Because you then can't pay all the ground staff, all the ancillary staff, all exactly. the catering, all the cleaners. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the league limit is 110%, shockingly. <laughs> Why the league limit is there anyway. Um, okay. But that was that was dropped. Hence the reason the Messi sales, because he was on a 1 million a week. They, they couldn't afford to keep him legally, um, even if he took uh, a 50% pay cut, Si. So uh, going back to what you were saying about a pound, uh, Chelsea were bought for a pound in 1982 by Ken Chelsea. That was in 1982. Um then you had Portsmouth bought for a pound in 1997. Uh, Hull City bought for a pound in 2010. Uh, Swansea bought for a pound in 2001. Uh, Notts County in 2009 bought for a pound as well. So quite so a few teams bought for a pound. How do you get? How do you get to the point where you can take a point? Because like any of us, you, tomorrow someone can go. I've got a quid. I'll go and buy that team. How do you get in the room to, to say I'll I'll do it? So, uh, first of all, you have to usually, I mean, and this is the hope in recent times, is you have to p- uh, pass a uh, fit and proper persons test, which basically is a, a way of them assessing whether you're a capable, um, you know, potential owner. Whether it works or not is entirely uh, up for debate. We had an owner, Dr. Tony Zia, who now is in prison, I've been told. So, um, he's been in prison since February. Uh, Chinese authorities have accused him of money laundering and not paying loans, I believe. So, yes, uh, and it has happened throughout the pyramid in quite a few times recently. Um, a lot of the time when a team's bought for a pound, though, you're actually buying the debts of the club as well. So, for example, I think Chelsea in 1982, by the sounds of it, from what I've just read, were £1.5 million in debt during that time. So Ken Bates bought them for a pound, but he took on their debt Ken as well. Bates. Okay, yeah, so we that, should that uh, cancel that GoFundMe. Ben, uh, <laughs> yeah, as you, you have to have an 
you have to have an idea as to ha- a plan to get out of the debt as well. So uh, Barcelona aren't owned by uh, one party, so it's a bit different situation for them. Laporta today described it as very worrying. When your chairman says very worrying, <laughs> I mean, you've got to believe him, haven't you? Um, these guys in Spain usually lie about their clubs, and, and that's a fair thing to say. The Barcelona and Real Madrid owner, uh, chairmen's uh, presidents are notoriously bullshit. I mean, Perez at Real Madrid is, is just awful. Um, he said that the, that the club is in total debt of 1.3 billion. Uh, and this is what he said to the initial 617 million euros debt. Uh, you have to add 389 million on players, 90 million in litigation, 79 million in advanced television rights and 56 million from the new stadium project in total 1.35 billion dollars in debt. Now, I mean, they're obviously in a huge mess, but Barcelona have ways out of this. Uh, PK's just taken a pay cut, I believe, half. He's one of the best uh, defenders in, in world football right now, especially European football, uh, at least rather. And he has taken half a, a 50% pay cut because he loves the club. He wants to stay at the club and he scored actually in the opening game, which was wonderful to see. They also have La Masia, which is their academy. Now, this academy has delivered countless world-class football players. So they have this conveyor belt of talent coming through. I believe Pedri, the guy who played a thousand games last year, is another one that's just come through. They can sell these players. I mean, Pedri's probably worth a hundred million on the market, and that's no exaggeration. The guy's so talented. They could, within the next two, three years, sell, 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 bring from La Masia, still finish in the top four in in, in the uh, La Liga. Um, and then get back to right, but they just can't do it. They have to hold on to some kind of strange aura the way they are. It's this Barcelona football. They have to play a certain way. It's madness, I. Yeah, I, I can only agree with you. I think it's all ego. It's all power, uh, alpha maleism or, or whatever, in terms of the need to compete. I mean, they must have known that they were in this amount of debt. I know they took a punt on the... Uh, European Super League, which obviously went down the toilet. But, I mean, they still signed Memphis Depay, Garcia from Man City, you know, going to be on a hefty wage. Memphis Depay's wages were cut without his uh, knowledge, I believe, before he even signed. Um, so it's, it's it's a mad situation. But at the same point, a situation of their own making. They've been cheating the system in La Liga for years they and, and by you know Real Madrid yeah, buying parts of the ground, selling it back to people and stuff like that, uh, and it's coming home to roost. I have no sympathy for them. And yes, at the end of the day, their youth academy is so good that they could just sell their best players and still compete in La Liga up to a certain standard, and probably come back with a, a nice load of youth players uh, that bump up their value. And, uh, you know, will possibly be future stars for them. So that's what they need to do. Uh, If they don't do it, they're just going to end up in a worse situation. Sometimes it's best to stop digging rather than keep digging. And uh, for them this, this time, I said, no sympathy. They have to get it sorted. Yeah. And I think this is a club that's actually going to be better off without their star player, Lionel Messi, who... Uh, in the years between 2017 and 2021, uh, the records show that Messi's contractual earnings were reportedly at more than 555 million euros. Can you believe that amount of money? I mean, bordering on 2 million euros a week, their star player. I think uh, the 
The tide has turned. The Barcelona post-Messi era can be incredibly good, uh, incredibly uh, successful on the pitch and still play in that uh, kind of Barcelona orchestra-like way. So let's move on from Barcelona because, you know, they've got the potential, but they just need to take the opportunity, sounds like, is is your opinion here. But so Messi, he's gone to Paris Saint-Germain. Um, what, what happened there then? What, what have they done and what can they do that Barcelona can't? Well, they can pay him. Uh, they've got incredibly uh, wealthy owners. Barcelona re- rely on revenue to make any money. They rely on winning, they rely on income, they rely on sponsorships. Paris Saint-Germain's owners are worth billions. It's pocket change to them. They can they can absorb millions a week in wages. It's not an issue. Financial fair play doesn't seem to be an issue in world football anymore for whatever reason. It's um, It was garbage anyway, but uh, for some reason Paris Saint-Germain don't need to worry about that. Um, the reason Gini Wijnaldum went there over Barcelona was because of wages. Uh, they doubled his wages. Uh, they nearly doubled what he was on at Liverpool. Um, and certain clubs in the Premier League have done the similar things uh, with Paris Saint-Germain. I think uh, Manchester United pay their their number one or number two goalkeeper even £350,000 a week. They're not the only f- football club in the world at Barcelona to have this issue, but Paris Saint-Germain are building a team to win the Champions League. That's what the owner wants. Uh, they've got the manager, I believe, to do that, Pochettino, uh, and now they've got the team to do that. But like Sai says, will Mbappe stay? Uh, I don't know. I'd like to see him play alongside Messi. Um, the rumours came out this morning. Ronaldo had to make a statement this afternoon to say that he wasn't going to go and sign for Paris Saint-Germain as well. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't. they're playing, uh, they're playing football manager. In real life, <laughs> but with an unlimited bankroll. Yeah. Um, Sai, one of your comments in in the planning document that you um, you read Skimmed. earlier and looked at uh, and added to um, was around who's next. Yeah. Who, who are the players true. coming through? So you know, we're talking about Lionel Messi, we're talking about Ronaldo. Um, they're in their prime, it seems, mm-hmm. and they're, they're you know they're up there. Um, their time will come. Uh, uh, or rather it has come and, and their time will pass yeah. who's next who's coming up through is it it is people coming up into Barcelona Ben that you've been talking about or is it um, you know people in the UK like what are we seeing who's coming through and who who do you think is the next Ronaldo Messi uh, you know I think level it's of a diff- player I think it's a difficult thing to say because I think, like I said, this is the ultimate golden generation. Uh, credit to uh, guy at my work, Andrew, if he's listening. Uh, he, I got the idea from him. I forgot to give him credit at the beginning. I'm just going to take it all for myself. Um, but, um, yeah, it's going to be very difficult. I think there are some candidates. I'd like to hear what Ben has to say when I reel out a few to him. Um, Neymar, I think, unfortunately, was born a few years too early and was still kind of coming through when Messi and Ronaldo were young enough to still be considered in their prime. Uh, Mbappe is the obvious one, and I think Mbappe is absolute quality. Terrible penalty to dump uh, France out of the World Cup uh, the other week. Um, Euro, sorry, not the World Cup, uh, the, uh, last month. But at the same time, you know, an absolute quality player. Uh, the other ones I had written down were obviously Haaland at Dortmund. I mean, Jaden Sancho, his, I mean, for such a young guy to have such great statistics already. I mean, that's, maybe that's a crazy thing to say, but that's a nice dark horse candidate, I think, for um, 
for you know to continue as he's going on. I mean, he scored something like fifth 20 goals and 15 assists last year. I mean, that's a really, really good, you know, clip. And if he can keep that going, then you can't say that he's anything but a potential generational talent, If he, especially in the Premier League, because I think it's a whole different can of worms. Yeah, uh, Haaland uh, has to be considered. Haaland uh, is just smashing goals away. He's a battering ram of a football player. It's worth noting that Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo wouldn't be the first picked players for your team in the world. For me right now, Lewandowski's the best player in the world. The guy's an absolute machine knocking 40-odd goals a season away. So there is better players. Um, but I can't look past Mbappe and Haaland. I also don't think there will ever be uh, another generation like Cristiano and Messi for two players at that level to be in the same generation is mental. Uh, you know, before that, for me, it's Zinedine Zidane. Before that, it's Maradona. Before that, it's Pele. You're talking decades between these guys. Um, the fact that Ronaldo and Messi were doing it in the same decade, and for our very eyes, I never saw Ronaldo play. I've seen Messi play up front and close, and it was fascinating. So, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. For me, Haaland, I think he'll come to the UK as well, at the Premier League, rather. Sancho, interesting, at Manchester United, great place for young talent. Yeah, Sancho could be devastatingly good uh, and upsetting for Liverpool fans to say so. He could be brilliant for 10 years in that Manchester United ship. There you go. So that's what we've got to look forward to um, over the coming years. But in the meantime, it's the Messi-Ronaldo show. And that brings us to the end of uh, our first meeting middle of season two. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Simon. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter and on Instagram at WednesdayPod. That's at Wednesday pod and uh, we'll be more than happy to uh, chat with you about anything that's come up on the show or if you want to let us know what you want to hear on the show as well or maybe just talk about your favorite presenter because you know i always like hearing about that so um <laughs> sorry you look grumpy about that no, you you're, to, you're concentrating on something just just concentrating on my next insult it's fine i'll give me a minute <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here we are. We're going to chat about uh, what's coming up um, because there is plenty of other things coming up as well over the next week or so. Um, so let's start with you. You've got some rumours for us. Ooh, yes, I do. So I didn't really have very much to look forward to this week beyond what we'd already talked about, Premier League, um, you know, uh, another round of NFL preseason, but we've talked ad nauseum about them. But there's another one that's very exciting. So uh, long-time listeners may know I talk regularly about AEW, a um, wrestling federation as an alternative. It's all elite wrestling. It's an alternative to the WWE, the great big um, giant of the wrestling world. Um, some very exciting news. Uh, very, very strong rumors that a couple of big wrestlers who used to wrestle for the WWE are going to come over to AEW. So CM Punk, who um, after his wrestling career ended, had a very unsuccessful uh, UFC career, but you know a massive, massive name within the wrestling world, uh, becoming an actor now as well. But he's linked with, uh, with AEW. And Daniel Bryan, or Bryan Danielson, for those who know him from his independent wrestling fame uh who had uh you know basically revolutionized the way wrestling is in the in the early 2010s onwards um transitioning from massive massive six foot ten guys to 
people of my height and I think inspired a generation of, well, the next generation of wrestlers. So very, very strong rumors he's going to come over as well, which would be very exciting and make an AEW product, which is already really, really engaging and going well beyond the million uh, people rating that we were talking about a while ago uh, on a regular basis. So, you know, very exciting times for AEW. So it's those, it is the drawer of the, uh, what was it? The exploding dynamite barbed wire fence, something or other. What was it? Yeah, that that sounds about right. I think you should do the (laughs) names for the events, to be honest, mate. Come and watch our exploding dynamite barbed wire fence match featuring man from here and bloke from there. Woo. Just perfect. Just what a perfect. draw. What a draw. Um, AEW, thank you, Cy. Um, ben, anything on your horizon? Uh, a couple things going on. The Vuelta España is going on, which is basically the Spanish version of the Tour de France. There's also an Italian version, the Giro d'Italia, the three main circuits. Uh, road racing. Um, you know, I like my cycling. Um, does anyone remember the name Fabio Jacobson? Doesn't ring a bell for me. Fabio. Fabio, 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 Fabio Jack, Jacobson. Jacobson. Yeah, yeah. No, I have no idea you're talking about. Oh, okay, okay. Well, basically, he just won the fourth stage of the Vuelta. You might remember actually watching his video uh, last year where he was coming into the finish and a rider, he was alongside a cycler, uh, alongside a competitor, and they pushed him a little bit and he hit uh, the side and went flying into the finish line kind of stanchion thing. Wow. You remember the video? I, I, um, don't, I don't recall seeing that. Was that at the um, Vuelta? Uh, no, I think it was at the uh, the Gyro, perhaps. Yeah. Um, or maybe just a road race end of last year. He's one of Cavendish's teammates, um, actually, Fabio Jacobson. Legend. He had his upper and lower jaw reconstructed last year after arguably one of the worst cycling crashes ever. He suffered a... I'm going to read off a couple of these things just to end on a good note. <laughs> a brain contusion, skull fracture, nose break... Um, face cuts, a uh, cut in his oracle. I don't know what that means. Uh, shoulder contusion, lung contusion, uh, and a heavily bruised buttocks. Apparently, he hit this guy, uh, the cameraman. He hit the cameraman, and the cameraman uh, broke several ribs. And he said that the cameraman saved his life, acted kind of like a, uh, a human uh, airbag. Wow. Uh, you would have seen the video. I sent it across on the links. He's back, he's healthy, and he's at the top of his okay. sport again. How incredible is that? But yeah, watch the Vuelta. He's doing really well. On the back of that, another guy, Tyler Gilbert. I'd never heard of this name in my life before. He's a 27-year-old electrician, spent the last six years in the minor leagues. He played his first major league baseball game for the Arizona Diamondbacks, and he hit a no-hitter. Wow. The franchise's first no-hitter at their home stadium, I believe. Truly remarkable story. He did not let a guy get on base in a whole match. His first game in the Major League. I mean, from electrician to superstar in nine innings. Absolutely incredible. The reason I've added that as uh, not one of the top show highlights is because uh, the MLB season's in full swing, and I'm committed to knowing more about in full it. Swing. So, see what you did there. Oh, I yeah. know. I actually highlighted swing in bold as the joke. Uh, I'm also committed to knowing more about it, so expect some regular updates. The things you get to do with a digital workflow. Highlight your jokes. I actually have an incredible digital workflow. <laughs> I've got something here, Sai. Sai. Before you come to you, I've got something here that I read before coming on air, which I didn't put in the show notes. I'm sorry. So even Cy won't know this. Uh, Mark 
Alan, the snooker player, um, beat his former partner, Rianne Evans, 3-2 in a professional snooker match. And apparently, the BBC reported it as, it was frosty. Uh, Mark <laughs> Allen and Rianne Evans are former romantic partners who share a 14-year-old daughter. The pair were uh, split acrimoniously in 2008 over a dispute over child maintenance and have not spoken since. And they wow. played a world professional British Open snooker match against each other. And I wanted to ask if anyone else or any of our listeners have ever heard of any former partners uh, facing each other in elite sport. I've never ever heard of that before ever anywhere i want to hear it and um i it's the, it's the kind of thing you'd hope to have been in the audience for just to experience the tension that you could when, just get through with a butter knife <laughs> when the bbc report the word frosty i mean <laughs> you know it was stark wow well there you go um yeah well if you're listening to this and you are aware of um former intimate partners facing off in elite competition we'd love to hear about it we want to we, the jerry, jerry jerry springer of podcasts <laughs> <laughs> um ben one more thing from you it just says kane and i'm it sure it's probably not um citizen. kane no, not Citizen, not the Toad. It's the Kane, the Harry, the man who plays for Tottenham for the time being. Keep your eye on this the next four or five days. This man may very well move to Grealish's club, Manchester City, for £150 million, they say. Uh, Sai, do you think he'll go, yes or no? I mean, he didn't play at the weekend. I mean, you could argue that he wasn't fit anyway, having been training um, away from the main... The, the, the team for the majority of that time um oh, i don't know i think it's really in the balance i think city need him uh we talked about the fact that city are struggling they need a striker uh jesus isn't going to cut it when he comes back um or when it, when they play him anyway um if i had to say yes let's do it let's go for it yes he come he goes he goes done he's is. gone locked in there we are and uh, i've I've, um, got one thing to highlight which i'm really excited about and as simon so kindly reminded ben and i um we are desperately sad about the fact that many weeks ago we talked we gushed at just how excited we were that we would be doing probably this very show from a field in le mans france um But no, here we are in wintry England in the middle of August talking about the fact we are not in a field in Le Mans, France. And that is because this weekend coming is the 89th running of the Van Cater du Mans, the 24 hours of Le Mans uh, racing series for the World Endurance Championship. The absolute one of the pinnacles of motorsporting events, uh, both for spectators and for drivers. and yeah, we're devastated we're not there. Um, limited crowd this year, Ben, 50,000 people, uh, mandatory masks inside the venue. The atmosphere will not be the same, but the on-track racing is is phenomenal to experience in, in real person, isn't it? You can watch it online and I, I'll watch what I can online as well, but being there, hearing it, it's a very different thing. Um, but it's the first year of the hypercar series. 
So these are the new spec um, top end class because those that don't know the the World Endurance Championship or the 24 Hour Le Mans or you know that series, essentially you've got two or three um, or four rather classes of vehicles all racing on the same track at the same time. So it'd be a bit like Formula One racing against Formula Two and Formula Three all at the same time on the same track. It's essentially what's happening. Uh, in World Endurance Championship. Uh, so you've got 62 cars on track. I think it's 62 entries this year, uh, which is great. But we've got the hypercar series. So these are the pinnacle. They're supposed to be road-going or road-capable cars uh, outfitted for the racetrack. So you've got Toyota, Alpine, uh, Glickenhaus, is it? Glickenhaus. Um, and then you've got loads of others coming in over the next year or two. So we've got Porsche coming in, Peugeot, um, there's noises from Lamborghini. There's noises from all over the place. So there should be an incredible field by the time we literally get to be back in that field. Yeah, and and, and to add on to that, fifty thousand might sound like a lot. I mean, that's a pretty raucous Anfield, fifty thousand people. But this is the thirteen-kilometer circuit, and I, I'm pretty sure one year we were there was two hundred and seventy-five thousand people in attendance. So it is way down on capacity. The atmosphere won't be there, uh, but the uh, the event, especially in the evening when it gets dark, tune in, watch a few laps. It's it's quite yeah. stunning. So for those that um, don't know the uh, the timings, there's qualifying on from tomorrow. There's various practice sessions, qualifying sessions, both in the daytime and at nighttime, uh, and then the race itself will start on Saturday, uh, three o'clock our time, I believe it is, maybe four o'clock. Um, I, I can't remember which way around it is and then 24 hours later it will finish in the daylight again um it's also in august which is unusual it's usually in early summer of june so there'll be less daylight for them this time around as well and um yeah i'm excited to watch it i'm going to do my best to 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 be up in the night and watch some of that nighttime action because it is wonderful and i'll probably play a lot of gran turismo in in between doing that as well uh, around the uh, around the around the track, Circuit de la Sarthe. So, Sai, will you be tuning in? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Have we sold it to you? Oh, it was it was magical. I sco- does Skoda have a team? Sai, do you know what? <laughs> One year, when uh, when we get to our three billionth listener on this show, I will take you to Le Mans. That is my promise Ooh. to you. One year, I will take you, and you'll have That's... a great time. Sounds a Wednesday pod outing. (laughs) I like it. Yeah. All right. Anyway, that's all from us. If you want to get in touch with us, have a conversation with us. um, Engage with us. You can find us on the socials, on Twitter, on Instagram, at Wednesday Pod. But that brings us to the end of this first episode of our second season. And what a season we've got in store. Like I said at the beginning, we're going to have some crossover shows. Our agents are in talks with agents at the moment uh, with our friends over on Shutdown Coverage and also many interviews to come as well. As well, of course, as our unrivaled roundup. The week just gone, the week ahead, and some meaty middles. So until next week on the last Wednesday of the week, all that's left to say is, I've been Dan. I've been Simon. And I've been Ben. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Take care. Be kind. Bye-bye.